Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. of uh, developing a biblical worldview. We've hit on it uh, here and there for, uh, off and on for the, um, uh, through the holidays, maybe four or five different messages. Uh, we've studied a few things. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in review, uh, but I, I may come to a conclusion with this tonight. I'm not sure. I have so much more that I want to say, and, uh, and it's so relevant. It really is, and it's not the kind of thing that we would even think that you'd have to uh, bring out in a Baptist church or, you know, in, in Christian circles, uh, this matter of how do you see things. And um, the, uh, there's so many things that are kind of uh, affecting our, our thought lives and our, our uh, pattern of living and those kind of things. So many more things. To, let me just say this. So many more things that are going on today uh, that weren't going on when I came when I was a young person. It's a different world in so many different ways. And it is so important, these young people, for the sake of their lives, uh, these juniors and teenagers and college students, uh, college students in particular, uh, that they uh, understand uh, what God expects when it comes to making decisions about our lives, moving forward for Him, and uh, that's what this, this, this the, t- the terminology, biblical worldview, it's it, uh, really, for the most part, if you read about it anywhere, if you Google it, it usually comes up a Christian worldview. But uh, Christianity has uh, so, so such variety uh, this day and hour. Uh, the, so I just decided to go with a biblical worldview. So many different ideas about uh, Christianity. And what it is to be a Christian. And uh, most everybody claims to be one, but their lives doesn't reflect uh, that they even have a clue who Jesus is. And uh, so it is important that uh, we go over these things and study and at least expose uh, these young people and young couples to what God expects of them uh, in, uh, in their lives for Him. We're not our own. We're bought with a price, and we're to glorify God in our bodies. And so, I wanted to take us to the Old Testament a little bit, and uh, and look at these verses. Most of you know verse 5 and verse 6 by heart. Uh, let's read a few verses. My son, verse number 1, forget not my law. We're in Proverbs 3. But let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That is 
having a Bible worldview, seeing life through the lens of the Scripture. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Hmm? Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Another place in Ecclesiastes says uh, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God and keep His commandments. It shall be health to thy navel. I preached from that verse one time, how to have, uh, how to have a healthy belly button. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, I had that in my notes. And uh, Mara, uh, to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. We use that verse for tithing and giving, and we, we use it in a financial sense, but it goes far beyond that. He said, honor the Lord with thy substance, with everything that you have. That's you, that's your being, that's every fiber, every sinew, every, everything that you are, uh, your spirit, your soul, and your body, the things that you have, your vocation, your abilities. We've even talked a little bit over the holidays about using your talents for the Lord and and your time for the Lord. And, and all of those are encompassed in these verses. He said, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And uh, there's other places in the scripture that talks about how to be successful, how to be prosperous. And so here's another way. Here's the third way uh, that we can uh, our, indeed uh, have prosperous and successful lives in the, the sight of God man. And now, we're thinking about it again, verse 5 and 6, developing a biblical worldview. Now we've studied. We've studied uh, our position in the world. I'm not going over all these. I didn't even make notes on them. Uh, but we started several weeks ago about, you know, who we are in the world. And the reality of it is that we live here with the understanding that the world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Uh, we're, our, we're dual, we have dual citizenship. You may have more than that, but you have at least two. If you're an American citizen and you've been born again, you're a citizen here and you're a citizen up in heaven. And with regard to all that, we, we began to talk about over the last few weeks um, uh, that uh, the importance and everything that we're talking about in regard to, to my seeing the world through the Bible has to do with, in, 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 in great longitude and latitude, it has to do with the word truth. Because that's what's separating the world view from the Bible view. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the element or the ingredient that makes a divide between what, how Christians should think and how the world does think. That's the reason uh, we're not to... We're not to think like the world. And uh, let this mind be in you. We looked at that, I believe, last Wednesday night out of the book of Philippians. And uh, then we, we talked about along the line of those things about, you know, about, uh, about that we're in the world, but we're not of this world. And so it's a matter of truth. Last week, uh, we concluded that part of it for the most part. Uh, we talked earlier about what is truth. Pilate asked that question. Oh, where is truth? And we found it to be in God's Word. But then last week, we looked at whatever happened to truth. And I gave you five different areas that truth has uh, been diluted and compromised, and, and the list goes on and on and on. 
that truth has fallen or has fallen in the streets. Uh, and, and a little bit more review. Uh, we've uh, we talked about those kind of things, and we talked about some cultural uh, and uh, social changes and uh, their impacts on our society and how things have changed in the, in the 40s and 50s and 60s and the 70s and 80s and then uh, the 21st century and, uh, and un, uh, all the way until where we are. Things are not the way they were 50 years ago. And because of these social changes, and a lot of them uh, have just kind of accelerated over the years. I, I made these in my notes, and I didn't put them in your notes, because I may, I may go through this again sometime, who knows, uh, because it's so important. But there was a day and an hour and a time that life was so much more simple. You know that? My dad... Raised back on the farm, his dad. And so we've seen transition take place in the, in the last hundred years in our society. And, and we saw it gradually uh, make a change uh, uh, from, from uh, the turn of the previous century, uh, in the early 1900s, and uh, of course the automobile and trains and planes and car, you know, all of those kind of things. Uh, but at one time, and none of us were here, but, but our land was, you were pretty well, you were raised on a farm. You were raised on a farm. But things begin to change. And so at one time, life was simple. It was just, I mean, it was hard work, I understand. I wasn't raised on a farm, but I understand, and I can imagine how hard the work is. I heard my daddy talk about it when he was a little boy, and uh, grandpa, and, and they'd be out plowing the fields, and and uh, working in the fields, and that was the way they ate, and that's the way they traded. My dad, I've heard my dad talk about during the days of, of depression, going an entire year without seeing a piece of money. And we've got it laying around everywhere now. I mean, it's, you know, it's, on, it's, it's in the little uh, console of the, our car, and, and it's on our nightstand, it's on the kitchen counter, and we got money in our pockets. And, but my dad talked about going a whole year and never seeing a piece of money. Never seen a piece of money. Things have changed. And so life at one time, let me talk just a moment, and I get, what I have is very, very short tonight. Uh, but all of these changes that have taken place have pretty well changed life as it was. And so we were, at one time, we were an agricultural nation and in agriculture. And uh, then we started transitioning into a time of uh, industry. And so we've gone from agriculture, and now it's partly agriculture and partly industrial. This is back in the 30s and 40s, and uh, though the great boom of those days and the, the advancement of automobile and 50 to 60, uh, now you know it's Ford and Chevy and, and some Chrysler products and, and Toyota and Nissan and a whole bunch of them. But at one time, there were almost 100 automobile manufacturers in America. Many, most of those are gone. Uh, and so that kind of, and then all of a sudden there was this, this change of, uh, and, uh, and uh, they started with our interstate highways and people were able to travel and go places and see things. And then it has just accelerated again and again and again and again. And then we became uh, kind of a, a vocational uh, 
led or directed society. And so when they ha now we have our agriculture, we have our farms, we have our industry, and now people are learning different kinds of trades, going into carpentry and, and welding and, and the automobile. Uh, my, uh, my, one of my dad's brothers, I think he might be the one that I kind of took after, but one of my dad's brothers, he, he was one of the, uh, he was certified uh, to put Model A Fords together. You didn't go in the showroom and buy one, uh, but they were sent. They came on uh, came uh, uh, on rail, and they would come as a package, and they'd have they'd have the body and the frame, and the and uh, then it would and the wheels wouldn't be on it. And so when they when they came to a certain, uh, he was certified in South Georgia to put Model A's together, Model T's together, I should say. And, uh, and so things are changing, things are changing. Life is changing. But it hadn't stopped. It didn't stop there. It didn't stop with the agriculture. It didn't stop with industry. It didn't stop with vocational. Uh, it, and then it kind of started transitioning to professional. And people would actually graduate from high school. My dad went to the fourth grade. I don't know if he, he had uh, 13 brothers and sisters. I think only uh, his uh, one of his sisters actually graduated from high school and perhaps had a little bit of college. There was a time that there weren't universities in every city and colleges in every town. There was a time that you had to go off to go to college. And, and all of the, by, by the way, most every major college in America, uh, at one time or another, it was a ministry of the church. All of the Ivy League schools, most of the the Atlantic Coast Conference schools, uh, Duke and Wake Forest and, and all of those and out west and uh, uh, all, all the schools out there, they were started by churches, by churches. And so people began to go to school and they began to learn how to work in the medical field. And hospitals began to open up and grow and then and so you can see this thing and, and I've got to speed up a little bit but it's important that you see this and then of course uh, they were now we're we're agriculture we're industrial we're vocational we're professional and then technology started setting in and I don't even know if that's the right word for where we are today and you know where we are today and all of a sudden we at one time, our world, our world, I'm not talking about the world as a whole, but I'm talking about my world and your world and your neighbor's world was kind of a very small place. My, my, I don't know, I think the first time my daddy ever went to Atlanta was to go to a race in Atlanta in 1963. I, that's the first time I ever went to Atlanta. And, and, uh, and we'd go to Jacksonville sometime, but now you travel and you make money and you have money in the bank and you know, you're not just, swap, you're just, you're not just swapping out commerce and merchandise and you're not trading chickens for corn and all those kind of things. You actually have money in your pocket and you go places and you do things and people go to school and the kids go to college and they go to vocational school and they learn trades and, and they become all, all, anything. And all of a sudden our world in 100 years is altogether different than it was when grandma and grandpa were here. Now the whole world, a world that those people never even got to see. 
We, we, have, we have a whole world in a, little bitty, in a little bitty case this size. I might not be able, I can bring the whole world, everything that's good, everything that's bad, everything that's in the middle, you can bring it right to you. Right where you are tonight. Now don't do that tonight, okay? But uh, wait, at least wait, church is open. And now because, and of course I left out the, the race to space and all those kind of things and the technology and all of the learning and computers and, the, and all those kind of things. And now there's so much information that is out there. There's more library on my telephone than they were in Lowndes County when my, by far in the state of Georgia when you were a little boy or a little girl, if you're my age. More information right here, right here behind me. All the information you could ever use in a lifetime is right here in our pocket or in your purse. So it's changed. The world has changed. And so because of that, people like Grandma and Grandpa and Mom and Dad that had great respect for this. The world did. Even when I, when I first came into the ministry uh, back in the 70s, there was a much greater respect for the Word of God then than there is today. Out on visitation, uh, people were cordial and hospitable. They'd invite you into the house if, if they didn't even want to talk about you know, the Lord. And so it's, uh, the world has changed. Now, let's, let me give you, I wanted to give you that little bit of, of background. And so, a biblical worldview. Let's just let's go through these things very quickly tonight. We're developing a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is based on these five things. Number one, God's Word. You see it? God's Word. That's our resource. It's not the encyclopedia. It's not the dictionary. I went through all that last week. It's not education. It's not uh, uh, philosophy. It's not all of these kind of things. Our source of making decisions is God's Word. God's Word. These five things, God's Word and then truth. A truth that cannot be ignored, a truth that cannot be diluted, a truth that cannot be compromised. Jesus said, if you know the truth, you'll be, you'll be made free if you know the truth. And so, if I'm going to make my decisions, if I'm going to walk circumspectively in this world and each step that I take, the Savior's going to lead me, I'm going to have to know something about this book and the truth that is in it. Not only is this worldview that we're looking at based on God's Word, it's based on truth. It's based on principle. Sure it is. Principle. Now, our, uh, our forefathers, they had that. Uh, you don't see a lot of it this day and hour. Uh, principle. It, and it meant everything to them. Uh, it, it was... It was, that's the reason that they didn't have to sign, they go, they go buy something, they didn't have to sit there and sign all kind of uh, paperwork and guarantees and contracts and all those kind of things. They'd just shake their hand and they'd go on about their life on a handshake because they had principle. But you don't have that today. 
it is rare that you see people that are very that have much principle about their life. And here's another one. This it's based on facts. It's based on facts. I mean, what is what is what is the truth? And um, and then finally, theology. That is that is the 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 word of God. And uh, as as we study the word of God, that's what we learn. That's what we learn. Let's move on. Now, on the other hand, in contrast to that, a secular or humanistic worldview, the opposite of having, you got one or the other. You either see things through the Bible or you see things through the world. And you see things through your education and you see things through, uh, here's, here's the five things, and this is not all of them, but these are the ones that I'm thinking about. A secular worldview is based on, number one, humanism. The power of humanity. It's such a good, when you use the word human, and even if it's in, in, in this context of humanism, and humanistic and all those, you know, it sounds so compelling because, you know, it, it, when you use the word uh, humanism, it, it, it kind of leans to the idea that you're, you're cordial and, and uh, you're helpful and you're concerned and you're, you know, it's about people and, and the list goes on and on and on. But in this case, it's not that at all. It is the opposite of God's Word. It is that which brings about evolution. It is that which brings about things that are not true. It, it tears down everything that I mentioned, God's Word, truth, principle, facts, and theology. It changes theology to theory. And it doesn't really matter. Nothing is absolute. Everything is relative. If it's, fine, if it's okay for you, then, and if it's okay for the crowd, then it's okay. We take God out of the equation. It doesn't matter what God is thinking about it. It doesn't matter how God feels about it. The reality of it is, if, if, if people accept it, then it's, because, it's okay. And that's what the world does. They take something like we've seen over the last few, uh, last few decades, it's a matter of uh, uh, gay lifestyles, and, and uh, they take it, and abortion and all those kind of things, and they just, keep, they just keep pushing their propaganda, and they just keep persuading people, and they hear it everywhere they go that it's okay, that it's all right, and the next thing you know, they have normalized it to the place that it's okay in our society. And it, it, it even comes to the, it, it becomes so normalized that it's even ex accepted by the church. And now in our churches, we have gay pastors and we have lesbian pastors and, and the list goes on. And, and many churches, they, uh, they, they, there's many people who claim to be a Christian who, don't, who do not believe that abortion is wrong. Millions of them. How in the world? <laughs> How in the world could you ever, ever pull the lever or cast a ballot for anybody, anybody, anybody as a child of God that believes in killing little babies? I got so disturbed when I saw a picture of the little baby that's struggling for his life tonight that got attacked by those pit bulldogs. I had, by the way, had. Um, uh, a nephew that was killed in, in Florida, in Ocala, Florida, that was killed by a family dog. Two years old, two years old, decades ago. 
They don't care about life. People don't care about life. And so now, this matter, uh, the, uh, the secular worldview, I'll get, <clears throat> I'll get. Humanism is based on lies. Um, the, our, our world is intoxicated tonight with falsehood. It really is. I mean, our entire culture has changed in the last 25 years as far as, a, as a truth is concerned. It's based on humanism, it's based on lies, it's based on theory. It's based on reason. Diversity of, uh, of thinking and uh, unity of thinking and uh, uh, diversity now has gone to a one, one thought pattern. It's okay that you think just so you think the way that certain people think. You get outside of that, and uh, if you don't think the way of these uh, uh, progressives, if, if you don't think the way of these who are uh, uh, pushing this awokeness, and if you don't think their way, if you don't think their way, then uh, you're a castaway. And then finally, philosophy. Here's something else. A biblical worldview is a belief in these three things. I'm almost done. Number one, the sovereignty of God. Now, what does that mean? It just means God is God. God is God. Now, there's a big divide here between uh, as much as it was in our first thought, uh, what, it, what they're based on, uh, what they believe in. Now, we're looking at the, a biblical worldview as somebody who believes in the sovereignty of God. Number two, the lordship of Christ. S.M. Lockridge said that he is, in his message on the Lordship of Christ, he said that he is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. You ought to Google that message sometime. S.M. Lockridge, the Lordship of Christ. You won't, you won't put it down until you hear, hear it through. And then finally, not finally as in though we're done, but finally as we're, we're looking at these, <laughs> these three things. The third thing is a, a biblical worldview is based on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and that He leads us and He guides us and He directs us and that, he's in, that He is in the world today and that He convicts men and he, he, he speaks of judgment and righteousness and these things and He is there to lead and guide and direct us through the Bible, making our decisions. A secular worldview, and we're almost done, is a belief in these three things. Number one, that God does not exist. The psalmist said, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Number one, they, this secular, humanistic worldview, the one that believes in killing babies, believes that homosexuality is okay, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. They're the ones who do not believe that God exists. They can't, they can't perform comfortably if they know there's somebody up above that's looking down in love. It, it completely disrupts their lifestyle, and so if they omit 
The fact that there's a God, if they can convince themselves in their minds, then I can, I can do anything I want to do. I can make any decision that I want to make. I, there's, there's no ramifications for my wrongdoings. I can be who I want to be, and there's no consequences to it because God does not exist. The fool that's said in his heart. There the words there is are in italics, and I, I'm not correct in the scripture. But if you read it with, without the words that were added for uh, the purpose of, of uh, helping to be a better understanding, the fool hath said in his heart, No, God. No. They don't want God in their lives. The secular worldview is a belief that God does not exist. But they have a, an extension of that. That if God does exist, then man, if he does, man doesn't need him. Matter of fact, they believe that, you know, that there's this uh, 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 many gods, uh, you know, uh, many gods. And so, you know, there's, and, and they're not going. God's not. He's not going to uh, intervene in your life, and and you you can't you can't uh, uh, go to Him, and you, you're foolish when you're praying. Somebody was talking about it the other day, and I, uh, I think Brother Rick and I was talking. We was talking about we were talking about somebody that uh, we were talking about how God works miracles and how things happen, and sometimes we can't explain them. And somebody had told he, he said God doesn't do that anymore. If there is a God, then he's, you know, he's, he's still not worried about it. You know, he's not, you know, he's, he's not, he's not doing anything. He's just, you don't need him. The humanistic idea is that you, you've got everything you need in your package to take care of yourself. In, in who you are, in your, in your mind and in your spirit and in your body, you can be anything you want to be. You don't need God. We're raising a whole generation of people with that thinking. And there's, there's some certainty to it. But there's some falsehood to it as well. And then the secular worldview is a belief that man is in control of the world. And that he can save it or he can destroy it. You know what that makes man? It makes man God. That's what we read about in the book of Romans last week. Now, here's the five things, and I'm just going to give them to you one right at the other. How do we do it? Pastor Ward, you've talked about the wickedness and the evil and how we got, you know, where we are and and how the world has changed. You've talked about it. What can I do? According to our text tonight, number one, you've got to know the truth. You must know. Now, it would be helpful if you understand it, but it's not required that you understand truth to develop a biblical worldview. Just know the truth. Number two, receive the truth. It's one thing to know it, but it's something else to receive receive the truth. 
Number three, even more difficult than one and two, is progressive. Apply the truth. Apply the truth to your life. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's costly. No telling what it might cost you. It might cost you a position. might cost you some a promotion. might cost you... I mean, if you really apply the truth to your life. Number four, live the truth. Live it. Number five, you may be called on to defend the truth. Now, when you... It's okay. People, people don't care that you know it. People don't care that you've received it. They don't care that you're applying it. They don't care that you're living it. But they don't want you to defend it. They'll be on your side until you start contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. They'll pull for you. You're fine. You're a good old boy. Just stay over in your corner. You know, don't, don't get in my face about it contending for the faith. And so sometimes, annoying as it might be to this world, when you do so, sometimes you may be shunned. You might even be put in Facebook jail. They might, they might even, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, detectives that go around, you know, determine, well, what's real, what's right, what's wrong, what's truth, what's not. They might even come looking you up. But you got to defend the truth. <clears throat> I rarely answer, uh, you know, if people just put things like, you know, on social media. I don't usually get involved. I and, but it's okay if you do, and I'm all for you, you know. It's just not my piece of pie, you know. I'm, but if they ever ask, if, if they say, what about this? Somebody, somebody had uh, put some time back, they'd put up, you can come on to the piano, Bethany. They'd put up, what is it? What is it when a person claims to be a Christian, but they don't go to church anymore, and uh, they they don't they don't want to walk with God a little? They said, "What do you what do you call that?" I mean, that person was doing this, and I just put up one word. They asked. They said, "What do you call it when a person says they're saved?" and yet they don't walk with God. I put up one word. You call it apostate. Yeah, you call it apostate. I got a, a few responses to that. It was annoying to some people. Because when somebody... Yeah, and there were people chiming in. They were saying, oh, yeah, I know. I understand. I'm tired of this church stuff and, you know, all these all this church business and preaching, all that kind of stuff, and there ain't no churches that are any good. And I mean, they were just... If you walk out on God, you're apostate. you got to defend the truth. Let's stand for prayer tonight.
Thank you for your patience. Thank you for humoring this preacher along the way. But I take this stuff seriously. Seeing a generation of young people walk away from church 